Hey everyone, welcome to this episode of The 10 Minute Leader. I think you're really gonna enjoy this interview with Kevin Chief. I was really looking to try to find an indigenous leader to have on this show so we could hear some of the unique attributes of what it means from the indigenous perspective around leadership. And Kevin shares some really wonderful insights on this. First of all, he shares about what we can learn from other cultures and other faiths. He talks about some of the distinctives of Indigenous leadership. And then he shares this beautiful story of a teacher that he had when he was growing up and how that teacher impacted him. Now that's all in just part one, part two is gonna be coming out later. So make sure you find that one as well to hear more from Kevin Chief. Tune in, enjoy this episode. Hello everyone and thanks for tuning in and watching this episode of The 10 Minute Leader. I am here with a guest, Kevin Chief. And I'm going to introduce him a little bit and give him a chance to add anything if I missed anything. But Kevin is a passionate community and leadership development guy. He has, uh, that's just a thing when you read anything about him or hear, know anything about him, that just comes through so often. He was born and raised in Winnipeg's North End, one of the poorest communities in, in the country of Canada. He has considerable public sector and community experience. For example, he was the vice president of the Business Council of Manitoba. He also spent six years as a member of the Legislative Assembly of Manitoba, representing Point Douglas. And he currently works in the field of education, training, and employment of youth. Kevin is married. He has a wife named Melanie, and they have three young sons, Hayden, Kellen, and Daxton. Also, one of the fun things about Kevin, he is a high step and square dancer as part of the Norman Chief Memorial Dancers. He's also a sought-after speaker, both locally and nationally, for his views on the importance of building resilience in young people and working towards reconciliation. So, Kevin, I'm so excited to be talking to you about leadership today. Miss anything about who you are or, or what people might know you for? No, that's it. Bang on. I think my Twitter handle says husband, dad, and high step and square dancer. So I think you hit all the marks there. So nice. And probably the first two, husband and dad, probably the ones you're the most proud of too, right? So that's, yeah, that's oh, absolutely. Piece. For sure. Yeah. Just for those of the people who've been watching these, I do these interviews with a bunch of different leaders and try to keep it within kind of these bite-sized chunks. I know we could probably talk for hours about some of the work that you do in community and in leadership development, but I've come up with five questions. And of course, as you know, I mentioned this to you, a surprise question at the end of people who've been listening to these as well. There's been a number of unique questions I've asked to some of my guests. So go back and listen to some of those if you haven't had a chance yet, hear some of their answers. But really the key focus here is on leadership. So let's just jump into some of the questions and see where this goes. Awesome. So the first question I have for you, when you think of your own moments, your pivotal moments in your own development as a leader and as a person, what do you highlight as being those times? You know, because a big part of my life where opportunities were created for me was, uh, you know, being a student athlete. I built and my school community built a, a strong sense of belonging for me through school sport. And so I always felt like I was part of the school community because I did things at lunch hours, after school, weekends. And so the building of belonging both in the classroom and outside the classroom was key for me. I would also say that, like you said, the area I was born and raised in the North End is literally one of the lowest income postal codes in an urban area in the entire nation. Right. But every time I shot a basketball, my school's name was stamped on my chest. And so I always got a sense of generosity in right. my neighborhood, although primarily grew up on social assistance most of my life. Hmm. But, you know, there's a unique experience that happened, Ben, in my fifth year at the University of Winnipeg. I was a student athlete there. I played for the Westmen. I played on one of the most multicultural basketball team the country had ever seen. There was myself, hmm. who's Indigenous. Suk Singh was Sikh. Mate Marathi came from Bosnia. He wasn't a Canadian citizen. Steiner Kramer was a seven foot one guy from Holland, a big Dutch guy, had size 19 feet. Shuren Vassal was Filipino. We had guys on our team that their faith meant so much to them. It's how they identified. They'd say they were Christian or Mennonite. 
and being able to learn from those guys, you know, diversity isn't automatically positive. We have to invest in it. You know, and I always tell people that the nights I spent learning from them and spending time with Suk Singh and learning about Gurdwaras, I always tell people that if anyone who has a different faith or background than you ever invites you to see how they pray and how and where they worship, always say yes. I mm. promise you two things will happen. And look, I'm not a politics anymore, so I keep all my promises now, Ben. So <laughs> if a Sikh family invites you to visit a Godora, visit a Godora. If a, a Filipino family invites you to mass, go to that mass. If an indigenous family invites you to ceremony and you could participate in a sweat, do it. Two things will happen. One, you will not believe how much you learn. And number two, that experience will stay with you for the rest of your life. And so I am so grateful every day to have those experiences on the teams I played with and a big part of who I am and the values in which were instilled in me through sport and through my school community, I'll be forever grateful for. And a lot of those people are still my close friends today. Wow. Yeah, I love that. And it's a beautiful message for us to learn from, right? And just really appreciate you sharing that. I know some of my most significant experiences I think of as opportunities when I've had to connect with those who share or who have different beliefs than I may have, but we can mm -hmm. definitely learn a lot from each other. So I appreciate that reminder from you. you know, one of the things that you mentioned, of course, is that you are Indigenous. And one of the things that I was really excited to ask about was what some of the distinctives are when it comes to the Indigenous approach to leadership that some of my listeners, they may not be familiar with. So when you hear me ask that question, what comes to mind as some of those distinctives? You know, for me, I think about somebody like Murray Sinclair, who puts a lot of emphasis on the value of humility. And of course, he led the Truth and Reconciliation Commission. And so the value of truth would be two values that you would see in a lot of great leaders. I really saw that displayed. You know, Negan Sinclair is a good friend of mine. He writes for the Winnipeg Free Press. That's Murray Sinclair's son. And a lot of the things that he writes in his articles, they're grounded in truth and sometimes makes us have uncomfortable conversation. And mm -hmm. I saw this interview that Negan Sinclair did with another exceptional leader who I consider a close friend is Mark Chipman. Mm -hmm. And Mark Chipman would display the idea of humility. And I remember our team, True North, was the first team to ban the headdress. We were the first team to do a land acknowledgement. We're the first team in the National Hockey League to indigenize both the Jets and the Moose logo. We're the first team right. to sing our national anthem in Anishinaabe. Hmm. And Egon sat down with Mark Chipman to do an interview. And he asked Mark, Mark, do you see yourself and True North as leaders in reconciliation? And hmm. Mark's answer was no. You know, we have found hmm. ourselves in circumstances and situations where we've needed the advice and guidance and support of the indigenous community. We're so right. grateful that they've right. been there to help us. Negan's next question was, do you think hockey can help people overcome their differences? And Mark's answer was, I don't know, but I know that if you want to build an organization that helps unite a community, you better invite everyone in from that community. And so yeah. you see Negan asking questions and writing with truth, but you also see Mark Chipman answering questions with a great deal of humility. And I think right. that the challenge sometimes with leadership is it's displayed in seeing people step forward and drawing attention to really important issues and saying, this is important. Let's talk about these things. These conversations matter. But leadership is also displayed when you step back and say, it's not my voice you need to listen to. 
Listen to what this person has to say. And you make a decision to stand in solidarity with someone else to strengthen those voices. Right. And I seen this growing up in the north end of Winnipeg. I see these things happen and often in our community and I find them inspiring and not only inspiring, but I also learn a lot from those examples that I just shared. Yeah, I really love that. And it actually segues really nicely into the next question that I have about you, because when we talk about community and you know how you see leadership in the community, I mean, you grew up in one of the poorest neighborhoods. You've mentioned that, right? The poorest postal codes in the country. And you've probably seen a lot of change and challenge. You've seen a lot of pain and heartache within that community, but also times of love and hope and community rallying around each other, right? So Absolutely. when you think of leaders in communities, leaders in times of pain even, how can leaders help navigate through some of those tough times? And what does the role of hope play in those times? The North End is a great example of people coming from all over the world and Indigenous people coming from all over Manitoba when they're going through their most difficult times and often trying to find a place for belonging. And the community leaders, the people in my life, I think where I saw it really displayed is that we all have that one teacher that makes a huge difference in our life. And I often talk about Mrs. Wilson, my grade four teacher. My dad raised me as a single father and those years were very hard years for me. Mm -hmm. you know, and Mrs. Wilson had this ability to not just see hardship, but to see potential in every student that she taught. She made us feel like anything was possible as long as we worked hard and we showed up and we we're willing to learn. And so she's this incredible example of somebody who, you know, and it couldn't have been easy for her. You know, she knew that the students had these excess burdens often because of the challenges at home and not having the same kind of resources. But she also knew she had to give us the hard message. She had to tell us we had to work hard. She had to right. tell us that we had to come to school. And when we came, yeah. we had to be willing to learn and pay attention. And that's got to be hard. And I think the tool that I seen her use was the tool of encouragement, which simply mm. means support, confidence, and hope. And when I would come to school and I missed a lot of school in grade four, I'd come to school and she'd say, you made it. Do you know how mm. happy I am to see you here today, Kevin? Are you ready mm. to learn? And she gave me this award in grade four. It was called Mr. Strathcona. And there was a Miss Strathcona it was giving to a student who had good attendance and who got good marks. And I had... Mm bad attendance and I didn't have very good marks. <laughs> and I often think she gave me that award at the end of the school year because it was an act of encouragement for me. Right. The respect and kindness and compassion that she treated me and so many other students with literally changed who I thought I could be. Wow. But Ben, I got to tell you, Mrs. Wilson passed away. And the reason I know she passed away, she passed away from cancer is because before she passed away, she asked her family if they'd reach out to me to see if I'd be willing to say a few words at her funeral. And when I spoke, when we treat people with respect and kindness and compassion, we're not just helping the people that we're gifting that to. We're actually helping ourselves. And Mrs. Wilson changed who I thought I could be in the world. But I also know now that I also helped change who she was as mm -hmm. well. And, you know, we're going through such difficult times now, you know, and COVID has been hard and we hope we're getting to the light at the end of the tunnel. And I think respect and compassion and encouragement, we just need a whole bunch of that. And that's what I learned from people like Mrs. Wilson, so many other teachers and educators and people in my life, right. my coaches and people I get to work with every day yeah. right now. 
Yeah, that's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that story coming from a place of humility, like you've mentioned, but also vulnerability, sharing some of your own past and some of your own experience. That's tremendous. Hey, I hope you enjoyed that episode with Kevin Chief. Remember, that was just part one out of my interview with him. Part two is going to be coming out again soon. For all of you leaders watching this, go be intentional with your leadership. Have yourself a great day.